What's up everybody, Tara Wellman here, and Chicago Week continues on. The last time the Cubs and the Cardinals met, the entire Midwest was still frozen, waiting for the real spring weather to finally show up. In an abbreviated two-game series, Adam Wainwright led the Cardinals to victory at frigid Wrigley Field, while Luke Weaver looked rattled for the first time this season. So pretty much just like we predicted, right? <laughs> this time around, though, the Cubs make the road trip, coming to Bush for the first time this year. Now, the Cubs won six of the ten games played in St. Louis last year, making this series maybe even more critical for the Cardinals in their quest to return to the postseason. Joining me today is the first return guest of the season, and hopefully technology plays along this time. From IVNV, it's Corey Finneran. So, Corey, we had so much fun last time that I figured we should give it another shot, and hopefully I can actually get the production quality right this time to match. So, thanks for joining me again today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Well, the Cubs are coming off of a 5-2 and two homestand, started with a four-game sweep of the Brewers, which had to feel good, especially knowing that the Cardinals were also getting swept by the Pirates at the time over the weekend. But it's not all sunshine and lollipops for the Cubs right now. What do you take away, just sort of your top few things from this last week or so with the Cubs? Yeah, well, I guess as a, as a as just as a fan, I look at it and I think, hey, the offense uh, can be absolutely unproductive. Uh, and yet the Cubs can go five and seven on a homestand and, and really like scoring an average of two runs a game. Uh, that that's a real accomplishment. And, you know, you look at, at offensive production like that, and that could easily be a, a terrible homestand and a really bad stretch of games. And so I feel like the Cubs kind of lucked out that the starting pitching, although they've been quite shaky here in the first you know, four or five weeks of the season um, in this that time through the rotation, uh, the starting pitching really stepped up. The bullpen pitched great and kind of bailed out the offense, which we've seen the offense bail out Cubs pitching uh, quite a bit over the last few years just because of, you know, how prolific their offense can be. And so it was really just kind of a nice change, I guess. Not that you want to see the, you know, everybody hitting under 200 for a, <laughs> in a week. Uh, but at the same time, like these all, there were a lot of close games. They could have been losses easily. And so my takeaway is, Hey, we came out of that, uh, in pretty good shape. And so that's, that's kind of my optimistic view of where the Cubs are right now. And looking ahead to this weekend, I have no idea what to expect. You just have no clue because, uh, the Cubs team can, uh, look, uh, the, the, as I said, the offense can bail out the pitching. The pitching can bail out the offense. They can both look great. They can both look ter look terrible. And I guess that's just baseball. But it seems like uh, the Cubs love to live in the extremes, and uh, that that can be tough for a fan base <laughs> that is not always even keeled. <laughs> Wait, you too? That's the, that's not just the Cardinals fan base? Oh, good no, to know. No. Good to know. Uh, speaking of not being even keeled, you uh, Darvish has uh, been at the root of some of that roller coaster, at least in the last couple of last couple of outings, especially this last start. Uh, yeah. Fans are not particularly happy with you Darvish. What's going on with him? The Cardinals aren't going to see him this weekend, but it's kind of hard to talk about what what had happened with the Cubs this last week without going there for a minute. Yeah, you know, I guess just my personal view of it is, um, you know, he is a he's with a new organization. He uh, suddenly has, you know, a, 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 this contract, which isn't 
huge. It's not as big as a lot of Cubs fans would make you think that it is. Uh, but it, it is a sizable contract. Um, and you, you're surrounded by new teammates. Uh, you have new coaches. And a lot of those Cubs coaches are new. The pitching coach, Jim Hickey, is new to the Cubs this year. And so I think like my, I think that having a, a little bit of a topsy-turvy start to the season isn't completely shocking just in and given how he ended uh his postseason with the dodgers last year um you know it's not it's not completely surprising it's not really what we want to see and it's it's been really strange to watch because um like uh, a lot of other cubs pitchers there there have been extremes with the outings it's either a lot of walks and a lot of runs or they look lights out. You know, we've seen that from Lester and Quintana and Chatwood. We've seen it from everybody so far, and Hendricks even. Um, but you know, I I don't know if it's a matter of uh, of Darvish supposedly tipping his pitches like he I guess did in the playoffs last year. Uh, I know that the Cubs did kind of simplify his delivery. Uh, they took out that kind of extra pause leg thing that he does uh, just to try to simplify things. Worked great uh, in the first outing after after simplifying it. Then, as we saw in his last outing, uh, not good at all. And it's also, um, you know, he, he's having trouble in that like fifth, sixth inning, and uh, things just kind of fall apart. And it seems like when things start to go downhill, he it really gets in his head, and he has a hard time kind of pushing through that. Contreras, his catcher, and kind of uh, mentioned that a little bit that that he gets two outs and maybe just kind of like takes the edge off a little bit, you know, and doesn't keep the pedal to the metal. Um, I'm not real sure what it is. I think it's too early to tell yet. And I'll just say, like, my opinion is uh, it's a six-year contract, and I don't really want to judge him and that contract six starts into a six-year contract. That's entirely too reasonable for a baseball <laughs> fan. I just want to let you know. Um, you know, I, I read that his release point is uh, significantly lower, three or four inches on most of his pitches than it was the last two seasons. Uh, you know, if you start messing with things like that, you're, you're not always going to get immediate results, whether it's ultimately a good thing or not. Um, I did want to ask you about the, uh, the comments by Contreras, because I think that's one of those things that can get blown maybe out of proportion very quickly. So I want to give you the chance before the Cubs come into St. Louis to sort of set the record straight on how you took what Contreras said, basically saying, yeah, well, we kind of saw him let up when there were guys with, with, with two strikes on them. Yeah. It's not completely surprising that Wilson Contreras would maybe say something that uh, maybe his teammates probably wouldn't appreciate him saying, (laughs) or, you know, the, the individual that he's talking about, (laughs) Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of what you get with Wilson Contreras. Um, I think that edge is what makes him such a dynamic player. And, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm assuming either there was uh, a misunderstanding and he maybe didn't word things right. And if he did word things exactly how he wanted, I'm guessing somebody probably pulled him aside and said, Oh, Hey, probably shouldn't say that to the media and might want to word it this way. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think Contreras was trying to like call out you Darvish. I don't, I don't think that's what it was. I think maybe he was just kind of identifying like, oh, this could be an issue. But, you know, Wilson Contreras is not the pitching coach. And so I, th- I think the uh, Jim Hickey and Joe Madden probably uh, are working with Darvish a little bit more. And Dar- and, um, and uh, um, uh, Madden has talked about, you know, some of his conversations with you, Darvish. And then Darvish also kind of talked about how much he respected that that uh, back and forth and just respected Madden as a as a manager. So um, 
Yeah, I suppose if if it could be blown out of proportion, but I think uh, you know, you get young guys that in the you know right after a game probably say things that they maybe shouldn't say, but it is what it is. I think there's such a fine line as far as fans are concerned where you want a guy to give you some sort of genuine answer, right? You don't always want the cliche, here's what they always say to the media answer. But then when they do, when they give you some level of honesty, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe he said that to reporters. And that to me is what this is. Like, it was a guy's immediate reaction to what he saw happening as a catcher. He should be able to pick up on some of those things. Maybe it's not what most catchers would tell the reporters after the game, but it was his honest reaction. Yeah, and I also think it really, you know, if you kind of step back and look at the statement, it it wasn't like the call out that a a lot of people are implying that it was. It wasn't really like it wasn't calling out his like work ethic or anything (laughs) like that. It was just like, yeah, maybe he kind of lets up just a little bit and uh, I don't know. I I, I feel like there's probably been uh, greater clubhouse issues uh, and worst things said about teammates. <laughs> That's uh, undoubtedly true, I would say. Um, you mentioned the Cubs offense not being quite the juggernaut that you're used to seeing. They scored three runs or less in the last eight games they've played. But for context, I mean, they've scored the seventh most runs in the National League. Uh, they've cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. They're now 13th out of 15 National League teams. Um, the Cardinals are significantly worse in in that uh, counting stat. Um, but when you look at this offense and who kind of needs to step, step up, obviously Chris Bryant back from his time uh, on the DL, mm-hmm. kind of the roller coaster of leadoff hitters until you come across the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. <laughs> what do you make of where this lineup is and, and sort of where it needs to be going? Yeah, well, I think they are where we've seen them at different points over the last few years. Um, you know, we've seen an offense that really does kind of struggle and scuffle and and all of all of a sudden. And this this can be like, you know, I point back to like um, the game two or three Saturdays ago when they were playing the uh, the Braves and they were down big. And then in the eighth inning, they scored nine runs and it was in a lot of really goofy ways um, and ended up coming back and winning that game. I think they were down like. 10 to three or something at one point or 10 to two, something like that. And, um, it's, it's kind of things like that that get this team out of its funk is just some, uh, really, uh, they'll have a game where it seems like every guy gets two or three base hits and they're just hitting the cover off the ball, scoring a ton of runs. And it seems like that's kind of what gets them out of it as a team. I think, um, you know, the Cubs have also been really lucky to be sitting where they are in the standings and with their record, considering how, uh, unproductive Anthony Rizzo has been with the, you know, being out with the back injury and coming back and still not really looking right. Um, and it's not even a matter of like, Oh, he's hitting the ball hard. It's just not landing his, you know, he really just hasn't been hitting the ball that hard either, I guess, until he was the leadoff hitter uh, in the last game. And then he did hit the ball hard. So, um, you know, I, th- I think it's, it's, um, I, I think that he, because of his role on the team, that the fact that he was there, uh, you know, years before some of these other guys, um, I think he does set the tone. And I think that if if Rizzo can get things moving in the right direction, I think it could be contagious uh, with the lineup. And, um, you know, again, that's that's kind of how we've seen them get out of these funks in the past is everybody just kind of like busts out at the same time. And so I, I you know what I'm hoping that happens this weekend. I'm hoping it happens uh, on Friday. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think that's that's kind of. 
how we'll we'll see them work their way out of it. And then all of a sudden they'll go on a run where they're scoring seven, eight, nine runs a game for a week. And uh, and then everybody will complain about the pitching. So <laughs> they can't ever be happy, right? No, There's nope. never, never a reason to be happy. Um, I, I, speaking of hitting leadoff, do you like Anthony Rizzo there? Is that a thing that just sort of happens to take the pressure off everyone else and then everyone can go back to their normal roles? I think so. I mean, even when he was like, you know, did it for that stretch last year and uh, just was like <laughs> ridiculous. It, like I think three home runs in four days or something like that. Uh, you know, Madden didn't leave him there. He, he put him back uh, in the, the three spot, I think. Um, and, and I think that's even if uh, Rizzo is batting leadoff uh, in the, the first game of this series, which I don't think that he will. But even if he is, I, I don't think Anthony Rizzo is going to bat leadoff. Uh, for the the rest of the season, I think it is it's it's uh it's his version of a tame down uh, Joe Madden Zoo day. I think <laughs> it's just something to kind of like break things up a little bit, you know, give him a little bit of fun. And and I think that you know it could be something that I mean we saw Rizzo get that spot in the order and hit a home run his first time up, and so maybe it's it's something that's specifically for Rizzo too, because you know other than for the, the previous few days before that, their new one-two punch of Almora and Bias have been really productive. They each had 10-game hitting streaks, um, and, and and both were productive. And so it's not like what they were doing at the top of the order wasn't working, and that's why they did it. I honestly do think it was more for Rizzo and just to maybe take a little pressure off him and kind of give him a slightly different role. I want to talk about Javi Baez. Um a lot of Cardinals fans might not like that I'm going to say this, but I can't not like Javi Baez. <laughs> uh, he's just a fascinating character to me and one of those players that makes the game really fun to watch. Um, maybe not if you're a fan of the opponent <laughs> so right. much, but uh, you know he's just exciting and there's no way around that. But this year... In particular, he's sort of taken it up a notch. He leads the National League with 26 RBI. He's got nine doubles, three triples, seven home runs. His strikeout rate is down from where it was last year. And he seems to be that spark plug for this team that has had, as you mentioned, its inconsistencies offensively. But what is Javier Baez doing differently this year that's working so well? Um, you know, that's a really good question. And and I feel like everybody is just kind of enjoying uh, Javi being Javi and being exciting and playing better than he ever has in the past. And I don't know like you know, I haven't seen any stories of like, you know, as far as like, what is he actually like? Why is he le like laying off these pitches that he was falling down over <laughs> swinging at last year? And, and um, you know, Javi is a type of guy, too, that I feel like really uh goes in streaks you know he when when things are going well everything goes well with hobby i mean he's the you know that he was the post-game interview it seemed like i don't know seven eighths of the games <laughs> you know in in the month of april he was just on the mic every night and um and i i think that it was you know the cubs would not be where they are right now uh if if hobby bias hadn't been playing as well as he had and really um, he anchored the team uh, in, in the first month of the season. And I'm with you. He's by far my favorite player on the team. Uh, the opportunity to interview him uh, when he was in low A in, with the Peoria Chiefs and uh, back when they were a Cubs affiliate. And um, 
he, I mean, just uh, such a nice guy. And, uh, you know, at the time, a lot of the the talk was like, oh, he's so cocky. And a lot of players didn't like him. You know, he had the MLB tattoo on the back of his neck. And everybody, you know, thought he, he was just full of himself and everything. But he just – and now I, I feel like even five years later, um, I think a lot of people around baseball have an understanding of, like, that style of play now and where it's coming from, that it's not coming out of, like, disrespect for opponents and things like that. It's like, baseball is a game and it's fun and it's meant to be fun and players should be able to have fun playing it. And so I think that's that's um, and I think that Joe Madden kind of gives Javi room to thrive and room to be Javi and just do what he does. And, you know, he's kind of implied that he has the green light whenever he's on the bases. They just kind of leave it up to him and his instincts, because I, honestly, in my years of being a Cubs fan, I've never seen someone with the baseball instincts that Javi Baez has. I mean, on the base paths alone, uh, it's just incredible to watch him, uh, you know, be able to, to, to judge where a throw is going and the angles and to be, and to be able to have like the speed and the, uh, I don't know, I guess flexibility to avoid <laughs> tags and everything. It's just, it's just so much fun to watch. And I, I wish every, I, I just wish there were more hobbies in baseball. I wish there were more, um, I wish there were more, you know, I wish every team had a couple players like that. I sort of took some heat for it the last time I tried to make this comparison, but I'm going to do it anyway because uh, it's my show and I can say what I want. Um, (laughs) I think that for the Cardinals, there are some ways that Colton Wong could be that player. Um, and, And to be clear, I'm not saying that Colton Wong and Javi Baez profile as having the same sure. skill set but right. they they both have that quality where they can be just this unmatched spark for the team when things are going well they both have a tendency to be pretty streaky they both have that sort of personality and that that sort of character that lends to the fun of the game and a lot of times in both cases it's sort of misconstrued as maybe having a, an, an attitude issue um if Colton Wong had the opportunity to sort of just figure it out and whatever happened happened, I think he could be that same kind of spark plug. Um, and and if he ever got on a streak like Javi has been this year, where he just stops getting out <laughs> as often as he did in the past, uh, I think he would be that same kind of asset, um, even if a lot of people stop listening as soon as I say that Javi Baez is like Colton Wong, which is not really what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. And, and honestly, you know, I don't know enough about, you know, I, I hear, I know a lot of Cardinals fans, so I hear a lot of stuff about Matheny and the front office and everything. And I'm not sure every team is an organization is, is, uh, you know, going to give players like that the space. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying the Cardinals wouldn't, but I'm just saying there are some teams. And even, you know, if I look back to, managers that the Cubs have had in the past. I I can't think other than going back to like maybe Don Zimmer in the eighties. I I don't know if, you know, I don't think Lou Pinella, I don't think Dusty Baker, or I don't, I don't think, um, you know, Quaddy and and the guys that they've had recently, I'm not sure that they give a player like Javi the freedom to, to do what he does, you know, understanding that you have to let him do those things when the results aren't there. And when it is frustrating, uh, for them to be able to work through those things and then really to be able to like thrive 
uh, when when they have that experience and still have that same personality. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's just a Mike Matheny thing, although I do think that Mike Matheny as the manager has something to do with it. But I can't imagine Tony LaRussa uh, buying no. into the <laughs> Javi Baez, Colton Wong drama no. either. <laughs> no. Um, now, there, not everybody is having uh, quite the success that Javi Baez is this year. Uh, at one po- point, Ian Happ was supposed to be the leadoff guy. He's struggled. What is sort of the status as far as where he is and what role he plays and, and how the Cubs try to get him right? Yeah, and, you know, like, we can't forget that, um, you know, we're kind of expecting all of these uh, young players to be in the same, you know, same place that that Chris Bryant is or whatever. And I think that, you know, we really do have to keep some, like, realist, realistic expectations that Ian Happ is not the uh, – you know, he's not the um, the the player profile uh, as some of these other players. However, um, yeah, he started off really poor. He kind of picked things up a little bit. It's kind of slowing back down again. I honestly think with 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 um, with Hap, it's the strikeouts. You know, uh, last I looked, and I think it's even higher now. Uh, this has been a, a, a couple of day, handful of days, but he was around like forty one percent strikeout rate. And you just can't, you can't have that. And, um, and I think getting him out of, you know, he tore, tore it up in spring training, which is why I think they kind of put them in that leadoff spot because at the time he was the hottest hitter on the team. And I think, you know, pulling him back, moving him down, uh, in the order kind of gives him, uh, takes a little pressure off of him. Uh, and, and I think there's, you know, just the general baseball second year in the, in the big leagues, pitchers are probably figuring him out a little bit more. Uh, and there's all that. But then also Albert Almora has been playing so well in center field and has been so productive offensively and defensively that it's really kind of hard to take Almora off the field, which then leaves you to, you know, if you want Schwarber in there <laughs> more often than not. So where where does Hap fit in? Um, and so right now, I think it's just a, a matter of, you know, and, and a lot of Cubs fans have called for him to get sent down to triple A. I, I don't really know if, if that's the what works for every player. And I, I kind of trust front offices and managers to know what, what motivates players and what could help and what might not help. Um, but I also think it's important to remember that, you know, especially look at someone like Hap. He has likely never struggled playing the game of baseball in his entire life. And this is the first time that he and someone like Addison Russell, you know, all these guys like this is, they're having to learn how to work out of uh, funks basically and um, and I think that we need to like when you have a team built of a bunch of young players that when they struggle, it's likely the first time they have ever struggled. Um, I think we need to like leave them a little bit of, of space to be able to uh, figure out themselves like, OK, how do I turn this around? How do I improve it? And like we saw with Schorber, um, you know, he tried to do it on his own at the big league level, and it just wasn't really working. And at that point, they had to send him to Iowa. So I don't know if that's the solution to Hap. Again, I trust Theo and Jed and Madden to 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 know what what might work. But I think it's important for fans to remember that with all young players, that they they have never uh, encountered anything like they are right now. So yeah, that's I, I think an overlooked point. Uh, you know, these guys were probably the best kid on their team from little league all the way up and when they're you know highly touted prospects they were probably the best 
player on their minor league teams uh, as well. So when you get to a point where you're suddenly not the best guy on the team, just by default, um, you know, the challenges are going to be different and the adjustments are going to be different. And I think that's probably what makes uh, prospects living up to their expectations such an unpredictability because you don't know how they're going to adjust when they hit that first speed bump. Yeah, right. So let's talk a little bit about this series this weekend. Some of the pitching that we're going to see. Game one will be Quintana versus Michaelis. Quintana coming off of seven shutout innings against the Brewers. Michaelis coming off of a month where he had the best strikeout to walk ratio in Major League Baseball. But this will be the first time that he's faced this Cubs lineup. What do you expect out of Quintana and the Cubs as they face a pitcher they've never seen before? Well, I think with all three pitchers in this series for the Cubs, um, you don't really know what to expect. <laughs> they have been, they have, as I said earlier, they have been a, a pitching staff of extremes right now, and they've either looked horrible and given up six, seven, eight runs, you know, a start, or they've looked great, like Quintana did his last start. You know, you mentioned shutout innings; he only gave up two hits, uh, walked one, and struck out seven, and um, that's that's what I'm hoping for. And, I, you know, we, we know it's not like that is a, a an extreme case or, uh, you know, kind of an outlier with Quintana. He can be very dominant. He can really rack up the strikeouts. And um, and so, uh, honestly, I look for these Cubs starting pitchers, um, except for maybe Chatwood. I'm not sure about Chatwood, but I would expect like Lester and Quintana to kind of start, uh, you know, kind of going to the to the mean, I guess, of, of what they've produced so far. And so I, I, I honestly do expect uh, Quintana. There's not been nothing that I saw in the last start or even the one before, even some of his uh, you know rougher starts that would make me think that um, you know there's a real concern here. Um, so that that's really I, I I think over the course over the month of May and starting with this series, uh, I, I would really like to see the starting pitching kind of like settle into like uh, what they what you can expect you know over the course of the season. I guess something a little more stable. I was uh, I was at Bush Stadium a couple of weekends ago for an event where we actually had the chance to talk to uh, John Mozalak about the team. And Miles Michaelis was one of the guys that, that was brought up. And it was interesting hearing him talk about that acquisition over the offseason because uh, ultimately it really sounded like they felt like their scouting department kind of was pulling one over on Major League Baseball when everyone in the Cardinals fan base wanted him to go out and sign uh, some big-name starting pitcher. They were like, no, 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 no. We got this secret weapon coming back from Japan, and he's going to be really good. Turns out he's been really good. Um, I think better than anyone really expected. And he's been as consistent as, I think, any of the Cardinals starting pitchers uh, over the the starts they've had so far this season. Um, I feel like there's part of me that's waiting for the other shoe to drop (laughs) a little bit and to see him sort of regress back to what we all expected from Miles Michaelis. But, um, you know, he's really been able to keep to keep hitters off balance and to just sort of he has he has an approach that just never changes. And uh, for for a guy coming back to Major League Baseball after time away, um, that's that's impressive to see, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the extent of my uh, uh, knowledge on him is, is I looked at I looked him up earlier today, and I noticed that his MLB.com picture he looks like he does he belongs in a rotation with like John Tudor more than Luke <laughs> Weaver. That that so that's 
That's my marginal. In that's it. that's fair. That's uh, you know a, a pretty accurate description, I think. Uh, but speaking of Luke Weaver, he'll go in game two facing Chatwood. Nice segue. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Weaver did not have a good start against the Cubs in that last series. Again, that was such a strange series with the weather and the off days, and the Cardinals had already shuffled their rotation once uh, to 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 get Waka to start at home, and Weaver just did not look good. It was the first time all season. Uh, that he looked uh, a little bit overmatched and just couldn't quite get it right. Chatwood is coming off of a strong start against the Brewers as well, but what Cubs pitcher isn't in that series? Um, I feel like between these two and their ground ball tendencies, the defense could be pretty busy in this game. Yeah, the defense, I'm actually, I'm hoping that the Cubs defense is busy because that means Chatwood is not walking players, (laughs) uh, which is uh, definitely uh, the biggest area of concern for him right now he's got a 22 percent walk rate uh not good uh chatwood has a has had a real hard time uh with the strike zone uh in his last outing you mentioned against the brewers um he started off and he walked uh the the leadoff hitter in the first inning and i was like oh no here we go um but he only, he ended up only walking two other other pitchers in that game and uh and ended up uh looking really good and so i was kind of hope i'm hoping that that was Chatwood kind of working his way out of it. And and I don't know, you know, again, I, I almost wonder, and somebody kind of brought this to my attention. I hadn't really thought about it, the fact that if, it, you know, he, he came over uh, to the Cubs from the Rockies. And in doing that at, at, at uh, Coors, you know, they, they were kind of wondering, like, did he have to, like, work around the outside of the zone, you know, right on the edges, you know, trying to induce weak contact and things like that at, at Coors Field. And and so that's kind of his tendency, what he was used to. And there's not a lot a lot of room for error when you do that. And so it was maybe that part of what what is, uh, you know, causing him to walk a lot of batters. I don't know if that's the case, Um, but it would be really nice to see him get two two outings in a row. I mean, he's your number five starter. So you you kind of expect him to give up runs. So uh, strangely, uh, even because this is a marathon, not a sprint, as they say, I'm more concerned with in this game watching how he. Uh, you know, kind of controls the strike zone more than how many runs he gives up uh, because we know, you know, number five starters it can be hittable. And so um, I, I think the, the the bigger thing is, is he is he throwing strikes and not walking batters? So in the third game, the series finale, the Cardinals uh, could change things up as far as their starting pitcher. Right now, it looks like it'll be Michael Waka. Adam Wainwright may be eligible or, or may be ready, I should say, to come back off of the DL. He would be doing so without a rehab start, which he's done before, but is always a little bit tricky. Um, and, you know, there are some other options. They haven't necessarily confirmed who their starter is. If it's Michael Waka, you know, he's coming off of a couple of starts where he looks real good for a time or two through the through the lineup, uh, and then things get a little shaky. So his uh, his outings are the ones I think that I'm most concerned about right now, as far as the Cardinal starters are concerned. And that's not necessarily new. Uh, he's had a couple of seasons with some shoulder issues that tend to be a bit recurring. So worrying about Michael Waka for me is not necessarily a, a, a new thing. But going up against John Lester in that game, especially for the Cubs with Darvish, having a bit of an up and down season, how important is Lester to what the Cubs are doing right now? Yeah, I, th- I think he's still really important. I mean, I, you know, he's technically the number one on this team. And I think that, um, you know, the Cubs brought him in, uh, you know, a handful of years ago to play this role for an extended period of time, whether or not 
um, his numbers are the best or not. I mean, obviously he's aging, but I think that that he he's the kind of like I feel like the Cubs brought him in to be the pitcher they can count on when they need when they need it. And I feel like right now the Cubs kind of you know we're, we're there's two games between now and then, but I feel like the Cubs need a real solid performance from Lester. I mean, just as a baseball fan, as is a Cubs fan and you know the rivalry with the Cardinals it's a Sunday night ESPN game and so those games always kind of matter a little bit more um and and we've seen the Cubs really kind of fall on their faces against the Cardinals in these games in the past um and so I I would just but again it's it's been so hard to predict individual starts like this is what I can expect from this Cubs pitcher today because I have no idea it's it's either going to be great or terrible I have no idea which one it's funny I actually had someone I, I threw it out there on Twitter and asked people what they wanted to know about this series what they wanted me to ask you we've talked about most of those things but someone said I want to hear your series predictions uh, so I feel like I'm gonna put both of us on the spot and not necessarily ask you to predict who's going to win or who's going to lose, what starting pitcher is going to do what thing. But what predictions do you have for this series as unpredictable unpredictable as Cubs-Cardinals rivalry series can go? Well, I think, I mean, it just, I am I would, I think the Cubs are going to win the series, I guess, two games to one. Um, but I think uh, what I, I think that the Cubs could, I think the Cubs are comfortable in Bush Stadium, I think they've been comfortable there since game two of the 2015 NLDS. Sorry, Cardinals fans. Um, <laughs> but it seems like ever ever since that series, the Cubs have felt pretty comfortable in Bush Stadium. I don't feel like they're uh, quite as intimidated as the Cubs had been in the past. And so I, I think, you know, I almost kind of feel like getting out of Chicago might be a good thing for them right now. I think that just a change of scenery might be good for the offense. And so um, I, I guess... I don't have any idea what to expect from pitching, uh, really. But I think that for the offense, I like it wouldn't surprise me if Friday they're still looking terrible and ugly, and then Saturday things kind of come around. So I guess that's kind of my strange prediction. It's uh, so difficult. I hate trying to make predictions because inevitably uh, it it ends up not being I mean in the last Cubs Cardinal series I would not have predicted that Adam Wainwright would be the winning pitcher right. over Luke Weaver I would not have said that in fact I'm pretty sure I said I'm not sure how I feel about Adam Wainwright pitching at Wrigley right now um, and, it, and all of the Cubs fans were saying look at how he's throwing how are we not hitting this well how is <laughs> Wainwright just like baffling the Cubs right now but. yeah yeah so I, I just as a general rule I just am very uncomfortable trying to predict things very, uh in these two in this series in particular because um it seems like n nothing's off the table but I will say that uh the Cardinals are there's they're so interesting to me right now because they're not necessarily playing at a level where I feel like they can go in and beat anyone. But they're also playing at a level where I feel like they kind of have a chance <laughs> to go in and beat anyone. Um, so there's just, there's enough inconsistency. The Cardinals have struck out a lot in the last week. Um, a lot of scoreless innings. Yesterday uh, in, in Wednesday's game, they had the White Sox faced the minimum through the first five innings. Um, so I would say I expect that to start to look better. Um, I think Matt Carpenter is probably on a bit of an upswing, um, which is not necessarily the, the boldest prediction of all times, but I think that he'll start to look better. He seems to be in a, 
more comfortable place um, than he's been all season, uh, which ironically happened because he, he looked at some numbers that said, hey, you're actually really not that bad. You're just a little bit unlucky. Um, so the mental block may be gone for Matt Carpenter. So I think he'll look good in the series. Um, I think that, uh, I think Luke Weaver will be better than he was against the Cubs the last time out. That was just such a weird game all around. And I think he's, I think he's better than that. So I think Luke Weaver will look stronger. Um, and I don't think that Mike Matheny will try to use Greg Holland as the closer anytime in this series. So that is, uh, that's the, (laughs) that's as far as I'm willing to go as far as bold predictions in this series (laughs) i'll be honest uh i wouldn't be shocked with a cubs sweep i wouldn't be shocked with a cardinal sweep i i i i have no idea what to expect this series and i'm kind of hoping just from a a cubs fan perspective is that the cubs could could potentially kind of use this to we've seen the cubs kind of like like to bookend um you know they go from like uh you know great terrible offense to all of a sudden a great offense. And I feel like that kind of, you know, like I said earlier, that that clicks and it happens in a moment. And I kind of feel like this is their chance to do that. I think, you know, it being the Cardinals, it being, you know, an NL Central team. Um, and so I kind of am, uh, you know, secretly expecting the Cubs offense to really use this series to turn things around. And I haven't even looked to see what the weather is, but it's it's hot here. So I guess- <laughs> it can't be worse than it was two weeks ago. <laughs> no, no, that's what I was listening to the, the uh, Cubs radio broadcast a couple days ago uh, and or no, it was yesterday. And they were saying that, like, they've never seen a home series where the like at the beginning of it, it was 30 in the 30s. And then at the end, it's like in the mid 80s and hot and humid and, you know, uh, <laughs> polar dreams i guess but uh we don't have to worry about like cold you know weather so cold that you can't get a good grip on the ball and batters you know flinching every time they swing participation <laughs> of sore hands and all of that yeah and you know on the flip side i guess just as a cardinals fan you mentioned how comfortable the cubs have been at bush stadium the last couple of seasons i would like to see them look a little uncomfortable <laughs> at bush stadium for the first time in a couple of seasons because you're right they have sort of come into bush stadium and and just taken charge and i think the cardinals are in a, to me it feels like the cardinals are right on the verge of sort of gaining back a little bit of that momentum that allows them to sort of say, hey, this is this is our home turf and we're going to do everything we can to protect it. Um, they seem to be coming together and gelling a little bit more than they have in the last two or three years combined. So that's a good sign. But I would like to see that translate <laughs> on the field more than just the guys goofing around in the clubhouse um, and having a good time. So that's that's maybe not a prediction, but what I would like to see on the Cardinal side of this series this weekend. But we'll see, like you mentioned, uh, nothing would surprise me at this point with these two teams. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess, why we've talked about it for half an hour, because we have <laughs> nothing else to do than Cubs to... Cardinals. Right, it's Cubs Cardinals and and predictable or not, we can't help but talk about it. So thank right. you for joining me again, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. All right. After Wednesday's win over the White Sox, some Cardinals players voiced their sense that this is one of the most capable teams they've ever played on. Now, I know the idea that clubhouse chemistry translates to actual wins is largely unproven, but there is a real point to make here. The Cardinals have not been in a good place on the field or off for the last couple of seasons. 
clicks, tiffs, miscommunication, lack of talent. It's all factored in when those of us on the outside looking in at the product on the field conclude that something was pretty obviously off. While I think that Matt Carpenter and Yadier Molina tend to always say their team is good, and who doesn't, except maybe Wilson Contreras, it's a joke, leave it alone. <laughs> That's not the same kind of talk that we've heard from this clubhouse for the last couple of years. I mean, this team does feel different, even if they're not steamrolling opponents left and right. But talk is one thing. It's something else to back it up, and that is exactly what they'll have to do against the Cubs if they want anyone to take those comments seriously. Thanks again to Corey Finneran for joining me today, and best of luck with those predictions. What are your series predictions? Let me know in the comments below or on Twitter, but whatever you do, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode. Until then, I'm Tara Wellman. <laughs>